heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Episode number 93. We are that much more closer to 100 here, folks, of YWC Football Talk. Uh, you can already see it. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see that Danny is with me. You recognize that Jets logo right away. Uh, but Danny, how are we feeling today? Hey, Griff, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, summer's hot, but uh, football's coming in quick, man. So doing good, doing good. Exactly. You always want, like, I always love this time of year because it's always so warm. You want to enjoy the weather, but at the same time, too, I'm just like, man, we're just this close now. It's almost like you're at the finish line of this long, strenuous offseason. But before, like you said to me right before we started recording, man, training camp's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, man. Even, even you know, I, I there was no OTAs in uh, mini camps last year, but I really, like, found myself appreciating and reading, like, every little thing that happened this year, man, because, like, we take it for granted. And everyone says every year, you know, like, oh, who cares about this stuff? But, you know, it's football, man. It's exciting to read, especially when you're a team, your team is the Jets and you have, you know, Zach Wilson is a rookie. You want to see every little detail that comes out. But, uh, yeah, man. No, you nailed it on the head, though, especially for you. Like, you want, like, you, you get to see your rookie, like, throw around, like, the prize second overall pick. Uh, you get to see what he looks like in camp. Like, last year was, you didn't see these guys really until the end of July. So it was just like, okay. Like, it was kind of like letting the animal out of the cage almost, where you're just, like, trying to open the cage door, but you have to wait all the way till September. Now, you got rookie mini camps, You got a mini camp in general OTA, so you got to see, hey, Wilson – like, because the one thing I was hearing a lot about with the Jets was uh, Wilson and Mims just uh, kept throwing lasers to each other. Yeah, Elijah Moore. Uh, Denzel Mims, you know, he's, he's running with the second teams right now, which I'm really high on, but uh, Elijah Moore is the guy you're thinking of, which is uh, okay, our, okay. our, our second-round pick, man. And, you know, every, from, from what I've seen, he looks electric, bro. So I, I just yeah. can't wait to, uh, you know, hopefully get down to training camp this year a couple times and uh, see you in person. Yeah, exactly. You make your way over to, I believe, Florham Park, New Jersey, just to watch your boys play. Because, like, the most I've seen from the Jets was – I saw the Elijah Moore stuff, too. I'm pretty I – I, someone said Denzel Mims. That's why I said that. But the only the part I've seen from the Islanders – excuse me, the Jets <laughs> is that Islanders game. I, I got them mixed up, man. They're supporting yeah. them, you know? <laughs> Dude, it's crazy, man. I've never seen some kind of uh, support with another, like, franchise like the, the Jets have been doing. You know, you got uh, one of our backup linemen on one of the Islanders' official shirts now, Dan Feeney. So, you know, it's really cool to see. Very cool to see. I didn't like, I didn't realize that Dan Feeney was a Jet until all this happened because he was with the Chargers last year. I remember he really took off because it was just him with the mullet and the mustache. Just, like, yep. I don't – like, you don't know much of him as a player, but then you just see this, like, larger-than-life personality – and even though, like, your team and my team don't like each other, I know that guys like that are good for the locker room and be- and building team chemistry. Oh, yeah, you would definitely know about that. Uh, but, yeah, no, as far as Feeney as a player, man, never want to see him, you know, in a, in a meaningful snap. But as far as being a mascot and a character and, you know, a personality guy, yeah, I'm all for it, man. Yeah, exactly. got a great, great mullet, you know, great look, can chug a beer, does the Sandman, you know, crack the can over the head. So I'm here, I'm here for that. Oh yeah, buddy. It's it's just it's it's all, like I just said. It's more character stuff. Like you don't want like you're not gonna rely on him to be like your best like guard or tackle. I'm just I don't I don't even know what he plays, but you need him just for like that kind of character building up stuff. Where it's like, hey, look, you can keep that glue in the locker room. That goes a long way because that's not something a lot of people realize. Is hey, if you have guys like that in the locker room, it really can help the overall foundation translate from off field activities to what you do on the field. 
Yeah, man. And it's just so cool to see, like, the whole team just bonding together and going to that, you know, like, at least 30 and then going to these Islander games every every game almost, it seems like. So, I like, I've never seen anything like that. It's really cool to see. And uh, it just shows me, like, the high character uh, people that they have in the room, including uh, Salah. Salah's even at these games, man. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, well, and we'll get back to that in a second. But I just wanted to open up today because about an hour or so, it, on uh, his personal Instagram page, uh, Carl Nassau became the first NFL player in on an active roster in the history of the league to come out as uh, openly gay. So just from myself, Danny, everyone uh, with YWC Football Talk, even though that's me and anyone that's been here before, because I know no, everyone who would support him or everyone who probably knows of him would support him. We just want to, I know you probably won't ever listen to this, but you know what? We just, we're saying that we're here for Carl and we wish nothing but the best for him in his personal life and his football life. Yeah, man, just put the good energy out there, regardless if he listens to it or not. It's a huge step today in the NFL. I know we were talking a little bit before we recorded about Michael Sam, but, uh, you know, Carl Lawson, I mean, Carl Nassib is, uh, he's an established NFL player now. You know, the boy can play football. So I really want to see how this goes. I want to see him make the team and I want to see him, you know, continue to uh, pursue his career. Exactly. Like, you're probably going to have some people, I feel like, and this is going to be a little real, but I feel like you're going to get some people who are going to support him, but then you have made some people who may be a little bit hesitant to it just because, unfortunately, there's still some people who are like that. But for the most part, look, it's just, it probably has to feel like, I'm not even going to say how he feels because I've never been in that reality. And then, uh, obviously, because I'm, oh, I'm getting off track and I don't want to say the wrong thing. But you know what? It's just, it probably for him, it's this huge weight lift off his shoulders. If you folks haven't yet, you can go watch the video on his Instagram. He posted it, and he also posted a link to the uh, the Trevor Project just for donations and stuff, which I'll look more into that as we go. But uh, like I just said, we wish nothing but the best for Carl, and hopefully he's a great 21 season with the uh, Raiders. Yeah, I agree, man. That's all you could say. Yeah, and I'm just, we're on the fly here, folks. I do not have a producer yet, so once I start uh, taping that, uh yeah, so basically the, uh, the, the charity he is uh, promoting is a leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide preventions to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and uh, queer individuals. All right, yeah, good, good cause. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't read anything really about it. I just saw the video, but, um, you know, I'll look into that as well. Neither did I. I just did. I just did, I just googled the Treasure Trevor Project. So it's basically, it's just like a hotline that anyone from the LGBTQ plus community can call and do that. So if you do listen to this and you are part of that community, just know that the Trevor Project is there for you. But it, oh, not sure if we got them, folks. But anyway, we're going back. Uh, we'll go back to the Jets now, just because look, <laughs> this is Danny's team. This is oh, you lost you for a second. We're gonna go back to the Jets now, and you brought a great point up about Robert Sala. Um, with him even being at the Islanders games, but how from a lock, like the locker room perspective or from what you've seen from mini camps, how has he come off as a coach? Um, you know, to me, he's coming off like he's really trying to do what he, what he means when he first got the job, that he wants to be more of a CEO type coach and not a, you know, defensive mastermind. Like I'm pretty sure they're not even running his scheme a hundred percent. Our defensive coordinator from the Falcons, Jeff Albrecht, I think we're, we're, like combining the two schemes from what I've seen. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, as far as like playing the calls and stuff, like he's not going to be doing that. He's just like more of trying to be a CEO and, and being a teacher and, you know, just like establishing a culture here that I don't even think I've ever seen. I mean, at least since Rex Ryan, you know, like everyone was miserable here last year, or the past two years with Gase. And I know a lot of people said they love Todd Bowles, but you know, I didn't really see Todd Bowles as a, a CEO coach, like, you know, the way that um, Sal is trying to do. So, so far, so good, man. I, I mean, the hire's looking really good, but obviously, you know, we haven't seen anything on the field. So I can only comment just about what I've seen as far as OTAs. 
Oh, I know. Um, just for the most part, um, sorry about that. My phone was just uh, starting to ring. Um, like I just asked that because, like, you like even though it is mini camps and stuff, you still can kind of get a vibe of what personality he's going to bring. But I also like the fact too that you bring up the whole he's not running that Seattle scheme, something that you know a lot of defenses are going to be doing this year, whether it be Gus Bradley in Vegas, uh, Dan Quinn in Dallas, Joe Woods in Cleveland, um, and then up in Seattle. I'm I like I know who the defensive uh, coordinator would be. Um, Danny, if you could just banter, I just have to, uh, I just have to step, actually, folks, we're just going to, uh, yeah, I just have to step away for a quick second, so we'll be back in one quick second. Okay. All right. that, folks, but, uh, one little life lesson to learn, when your parents call, you always pick up the phone. Hmm. That's one thing I just got to say. That's what it was, guys. Just my parents calling, they just wanted to make sure everything was all right, everything's good, so we're going back to it, but... That was my point from before, though, is, look, like I said, you're going to see a lot of teams run the Seattle scheme, so to get away from that is good because we can kind of see what Robert Sala's defenses were. And I remember last year – do you remember the Buffalo-San Francisco Monday night game well? Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they put work in on the, uh, on the 49ers. I do remember that. Yeah, and I'm just saying because, like, of how you're going to be facing that Brian Dayball offense again, you're going to be facing – that Brian Flores and, and McDermott's defense uh, to add into the Buffalo factor and then Belichick and how he runs his defense. So to change it up a bit, it's going to not only give the team confidence, but it's going to maybe catch teams off guard because they're going to expect some things out of you. Cause I don't know when you guys play Miami and Buffalo off the top of my head, but I know new England comes in week two. So you know what? You just got to be ready for anything. So that Carolina game is going to really show the world. Okay. Hey, look, Robert Sala is evolving and really is the CEO level of head coach. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing, the thing with that also is, you know, the 49ers had, like, massive injuries. And as far as the way Robert Sala's defense has always worked, it's, it's you got to get pressure up front. And if you're not getting the pe- pressure up front, you know, your corners are going to they're, they're gonna be out on islands and they're going to die. So, I mean, I'm glad we invested in our pass rush this year. And as long as the pass rush hits home, because our cornerbacks are probably the worst in the league. So, um, it's going to be really dependent on getting to the, getting to the, uh, to the quarterback. Like I said, we invested into Carl Lawson. We brought in uh, Vinnie Curry, who could see, you know, he's still effective. He's older, but he's effective. And Sheldon expect- Rankins. Sheldon Rankins, if he's healthy, like as a stud, and, you know, I'm expecting Quentin Williams to really take that next step into, uh, into being the monster that he was drafted to be. So if, any- if everything comes home there, you know, I think we'll be all right. I'm not expecting, like, a top 10 defense or anything like that. But, you know, as far as having a pass rush, was a pass rush, was pass rush which I haven't seen on this team in God knows how long, you know, I think I think uh, we'll be in some games. Exactly, exactly. Because you know what? For the most part, it's just, hey, I feel like this year for the Jets, it's a growing pains year in the sense of, look, hey, this is what we got, and then let's build towards 22. Kind of like what we saw from the Chargers last year. Now, obviously, there's not going to be a head coaching change next year because you have the new regime with Sala um, and LaFleur. And then, obviously, Douglas invested a lot of capital into this team. And you guys still have two picks next year in the draft. That's one thing that's... Mm-hmm. Going unnoticed, and with and with knowing not knowing how Seattle is going to do, unfortunately, we would have had Alex, but Alex had to cancel because of an illness, not COVID, obviously, not COVID, just for you know folks to know. Um, that pick could be higher than a lot of people think. That's what I'm glad you just said that because I was because I was texting Alex, you know, when he told me that we were supposed to do the pod together, he was like, "Oh, I can't wait to talk about it." But I was telling him, I'm like, "Listen, man, I'm expecting your Seahawks to finish third in that division." You know, like I I, I just the aura around that team, and maybe this means nothing, but, you know, they've been trending downwards, and, you know, I feel like the wheels are finally going to come off that Seattle team this year, 
I could be wrong, but I just don't like that they still refuse to uh, protect Russell Wilson. And that defense got worse, man. You know, they lost uh, Griffin, the cornerback, and I think the other guy, too. What was his name that they brought in from Washington? Dunbar? I think so. Dunbar, yeah. You know, yeah, Quentin Dunbar. It? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what they're doing at corner either. Uh, they lost Clowney. I don't know what their pass rush is. You know, Bobby Wagner's getting older. Jamal Adams is probably the most overrated player, you know, in the league as far as the safety. And, um, yeah, man, so I, I don't know. I, I just can't see them being a playoff team as far as right now. Y- y'all really won that trade, to be honest. Oh my you God. guys please really them, won the trade. If, if, they, if they could go back in, in, in time and not do that trade, I promise you they would 100, 100 times. I think the fact, though, if they had only given up this year's first-round pick, would you guys obviously move to swap with Minnesota for Vera Tucker? It would be fine. But the fact, too, that next year's trade, because a lot of GMs view next year's picks as highly coveted. So now you have both New York teams who have a lot of capital going into next year because next year there's going to be a combine. There's going to be private workouts. There's going to be better pro days. There's going to be more chances to evaluate these kids up front too because everyone's going to be playing an even amount of games in uh, college football. That's the one other thing I was unfortunate with Alex's uh, cancellation for tonight I was going to talk about because he's a big Pac-12 guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, yeah, and then the same thing. That's why they took the uh, the second rounder this year or as far, next year for Sam Darnold as, as opposed to, uh, to this past draft. So, you know. That's that's the uh, that's the conscientious opinion right now. Is next year's draft is the one. That that, that, that you're exactly right on that. Because like, look, it's like I said, next year's draft picks are highly highly coveted. That's why I said right. That's why I said with the Giants, if Daniel Jones is a shitty year, um, the Gi- the Giants have the capital to move up and get a quarterback. Because I know next year's quarterback class isn't all the flash and pizzazz, if you will, is this year's. But next year's quarterback class is still going to be fairly solid. You're going to get. A lot more guys who are, you know, what going to have stable NFL careers. Yeah, and you know, and you know, a guy always emerges as well. Look at Zach Wilson this year. So you yeah. know, every every year something like that happens. So I totally expect the Giants to uh, be moving on from Daniel Jones next year. Exactly, because my my I'm just going to go into that quickly. Where everyone says like, oh, you know what, Gettleman's got all this pressure on him. I'm like, no, Gettleman's got no pressure on him. Now, obviously, if they do miss the playoffs, he may probably be the one to get let go. But the Giants, obviously, honestly. He put all the pieces around uh, Daniel Jones. Now it's Daniel Jones' turn to go out there and perform. He's going to have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, which I'm saying right now, and I've been saying this for a while, he's going to win comeback player of the year. Uh, you got, obviously, Galladay in free agency, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, um, Kyle Rudolph, and um, Evan Hansestone Ingram. I, I just hate that they still uh, they still refuse to invest in that O line, man. Like like they should have just like kept building on the O line and for them protecting um, Daniel Jones as much as they could have. But you know they they're still gonna have a bottom five O line. Yeah, their defense is gonna bail them out, but I still see them only being like maybe a six and eleven or seven and ten football team. Yeah, I believe that too. I really do. But Giants fans are bullish, man. They think it's playoffs or bust for them. So uh, we've not- been down that road before. You know what we have, and like, look, this team hasn't made the last time they made the playoffs. Obviously, was when they beat the Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Six. But and oh, wait, that was their last playoff win. Never mind. Uh, I like the taunt Giants fans with the uh, boat meme, just because it's like ever since that boat uh, oh, yeah. boat trip, it's been downhill for that franchise. Yeah, with Odell, yep, I remember that. But uh, I think I was looking. I think I was looking it up the other day uh, in the past. I think it was like four or five years. The Jets and the Giants. I think they only have like two or three more wins than we do over that you know time period. Like I'm like, damn, New York sports have been that bad as far as football. 
Yeah, because that's the thing, though. Like, it's the, now there's regimes that, like, I feel like you guys are confident that they can turn it around, but I feel like the Giants fans view Joe Judge as, like, one of the greatest coaches in, in the NFL right now. Yeah, I see that, too. And what they did this year as far as free agency and stuff is, like, they're they're building to win now, but, like, their team is nowhere near enough to, to win now. So, I mean, I'm kind of seeing, like, flashes of what we did with Sam Darnold in a way. Um, but, I mean, if that's what they believe, man, go for it. I'm not I'm not as high on the Kenny Galladay signing as everyone else is. I'll just say that much. I, I, I just think they gave – he was the only – there's a reason he was the only one to get money, not obviously because it was a flat cap, but – a lot more of these GMs and scouts are starting to realize, hey, look, we don't have to pay our wide receivers all this money. If these guys end up flopping, we can just go get another draft pick and just have them ball out. Like, look at Justin Jefferson in uh, Minnesota last year. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's becoming like wide receivers are like with, uh, what running backs once were. They're like a dime a dozen. You can really find one in a year in the draft, you know. And, they, and it goes deep, too. You'll find them in the third round, too, and they'll still be just as good. So to, to, to give $18 million off coming, a bad, coming off a bad hit where – He's never won anything in Detroit with uh, ten times the better of a quarterback. You know, I don't. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, everything everyone thinks he's going to be. Yeah, um, and that's also, if he I'll, comes back healthy. Yeah, that's the thing too, because health's the big question. And then also too, like I said, when I called him hands of stone, Ingram really has to be there in those moments and make those catches. Yeah, and that guy's got all the talent in the world, man. It's just you know when it comes to the hands, it's just it's always been a problem. And the guy made yeah. the damn pro. I don't know how the hell he made the Pro Bowl last year. You know, that's how you can tell the Pro Bowl don't mean nothing. Well, it's a virtual Pro Bowl. It meant nothing. It was Madden. Um, yeah. I got a, I have a hot take for you, and I want you to hear me out. The Tennessee Titans and the Dallas Cowboys are the identical football teams. Identical football teams. Um, Their offenses are electric, but the defenses are not good. Because Tennessee, on, I'm trying to even think what they have on defense now. What do they have? They have Byard, right, the safety. They have Byard. Uh, they got Janoris Jenkins. They had Caleb you know, Farley. Oh, they Caleb lost Farley, the Dory. That's right. They, they lost the Dory, yep. Who, I still think that was a bad contract for the Giants. And their pass rush really isn't anything. Yeah, you, they, might, you, might, you might be they, right on that. They overpaid. They gave Bud Dupree five years at $85 million coming off a torn ACL. I do think, though, that they are way better coached, you know. Um, and, man, it's a good comparison, you know. It is. Well, Dallas hasn't made the playoffs in how long? You know, at least Tennessee. Tennessee, maybe without Arthur Smith, things might be different. But, you know, they, they've been they've – been, they deserve respect. I don't think Dallas does. I heard this today on uh, Pro Football Talk because they were talking about the Titans – there, I think there's people who expect a little bit of a drop-off because of Arthur Smith's absence, but I feel like because of Mike Vrabel still being there, it's not going to be as significant as people think. I still think, like, I'm not saying the Titans are a bad football team, but I'm just saying that, look, their offense is great, but they're going to be in a lot of shootout, like, Big 12 football where it's, like, 45 to 42. Like, you, if you got to remember, this team got taken to overtime and almost had another overtime game against the Houston Texans. Yeah, no, I do remember that. And, I mean, as far as winning the division, it's really going to depend on what Carson Wentz is this year. You know, yeah. if he's if he's the MVP Carson Wentz, I think it's the Colts all day long. But if he's not and he's what he showed last year, I think, you know, Tennessee's still going to run over the division. So we shall see. I don't we expect, shall see. You know, I, don't, I don't expect the Jaguars to do much this year. I don't expect, obviously, the Texans are going to be probably the number one pick, you know, in next year's draft. But, you know, the, the competition's definitely, I would say it's definitely harder in the NFC side. 
I still feel like it's going to be like last year, though, with the AFC South, where four and five is the South. Well, it's like four is the South winner, five is the first wild card spot goes to whoever loses the South. Because I feel like both the Colts and Titans are probably going to be like, one's going to be 11 and six, one's going to be 10 and seven. That's how I feel like it's going to be. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, it really depends. I think the Julio trade was the X factor, and they realized that. I think without that trade, and they would have just went into uh, the year without, you know, that number two receiver and losing, you know, Corey Davis and uh, Johnny Smith, you know, I think they would have took a, a major step back. But that's a big that's a big acquisition, man. Julio's, Julio's still one of the top ten receivers in this league. You know, and AJ Brown's, in, A.J. Brown's in there, too. So, and you still have Derrick Henry. So, I think, I don't know. I don't think the drop-off will be too much, but We'll see. Can I get, I want to fan, I'm, I'm going to give you a fantasy player from the Titans that no one's thinking about right now that I think is going to have a good year. It's not AJ Brown. It's not Julio. It's not Derrick Henry. Anthony Ferks are the tight end. I knew you were going to say him. So I knew yeah. it. I, 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 yeah, I could see that, man. That guy, that guy has potential, you know, he has I, potential. I've seen, I've seen, him, look, I've, I've seen him uh, make some sick catches before. Well, he has too, but think about it. If, Julio and AJ Brown are being double, both in double coverage the whole time, and they can't get open. Ferkser can just be there, like waving his arms like a, a fucking maniac, like your mom trying to look for you in a crowd. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, hey, I'm here, I'm here. And then he just gets the catches. Like, I'm not saying Ferkser's going to be tight end one, but no. for like a tight end two or a flex, if you are brave enough to do it, because I've done it before and I've gotten bit in the ass with playing two, a tight end at the at the flex and in the uh, obvi- on the usual tight end spot. But if you want to draft like him in as your backup tight end, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it wouldn't be uh, – he'll probably be a waiver wire pickup. He'll have a hot week or so, and everyone will pick him up, and then, you know, he'll probably, you know, go unnoticed. You know, John, John who didn't even crack 500 yards last year, and everyone loved him. So, I can see it happening. I mean, I love him now. Of course you do. And you love Corey Davis, so it's an even fair. So thanks, Titans. <laughs> we'll take him, right? Yeah, because I was saying this, too, last week with the Colts, where – the Colts are another team that have a lot of fantasy potential as well. Like with John, like I could talk more about the Titans, but we obviously know who they have. Like the Colts have a lot of potential too. It's just the same thing. Um, they got to get their wide receivers going, and I I am still expecting a second year uh, jump from uh, Michael Pittman. Yeah, Michael Pittman. Uh, you know, I am too. I, I I was really high on him. You know, coming out of USC as well. But uh, you know, I, as far as what else they did, they just brought back Ty. They have Jonathan uh, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. And that, you know, I, I just – I don't know if that's enough, man. They they had to upgrade that more if they could have, but you – Yeah, you have Marlon Mack, too, out of the backfield who tore his Achilles week one. Yeah, so who knows how he comes back. But, um, um, you know, I don't know Zach, if they have enough help. Zach Pascal is a good pickup for your flex, in my opinion. And who knows what uh, – you know, if, if, if they can make a trade with the Eagles, maybe get Zach Hurts on the team. That would help for sure. I, don't, I still I'm, don't know what they're doing with him. Man, you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to lose a tight end in camp, or someone's going to realize, oh, hey, we could use a guy, and then they're going to trade for him. Like, it could be the – do you remember the Teddy Bridgewater, the awful injury where the Eagles, the Vikings had to give up a first-round pick for Sam Bradford? Yep, yep, definitely do. You're gonna, I think you could see that happening with Ertz where there's a good, there's a team who's either good or, like, borderline, like, in that contenderish purgatory area where they'll either make the playoffs or just miss – Someone will fall in camp, and then they'll trade an absurd. They'll trade more than they should for someone like Zachary because they need the help. And props to the Eagles, man, for holding out because they could have traded him, you know, before the draft for you know pennies on the dollar. But they're like, nope, you know, we know his value, and we're gonna we're gonna wait until the very last second and get everything we can. It's also too because I I feel like he he means a lot to that city as well. It's not just like trading another player, you know, because like I know I've had Bobby on here before, and he says that like, look, Eagles like to hold on to their own. 
Yeah, absolutely. But you you could tell the situation was over when he went public, you know, and uh, with with everything that's going on that he wanted to trade. Maybe it works, maybe it does, but um, you know, I still think he gets moved eventually. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the least of Phillies fans' worries right now. They're mad about other stuff, and I just don't really care about their sadness right now. <laughs> Why not? I because I say fuck what do you, the Sixers. What do you what do you, re- what do you reference? Oh, you're talking about the Sixers. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah. God. Oh, I'll say God. this. I know this is football, but guys, is the NBA playoffs? I'll say this right now, man. Doc Rivers is one of the most overrated coaches in, of all time in the NBA. Of all and man, time. They, dude, if you look at, he is since 2010, he has not made it back to a conference final. Yeah, and the guy, you know, he got hired three days after leaving the Clippers, man. And look at Tyron Lue taking that team to the Western Conference Finals. Like, come on, man. The guy's overrated. Stop hyping him up. He's just a name at this point. And his son sucks, too. Yeah, like, oh, that's why I tweeted to you last night saying Glenn LMAO because his, well, his real name's Glenn. But, yeah, that's just the one thing with Philly I got to say, man, is, like, guys, process is over. (laughs) The guy lost his PhD 10 years ago. Come on, now. And where's Ben Simmons going now? Come on. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I heard some people on ESPN today say poor. Oh, some people, Stephen A. Smith was saying Portland. Portland. But, well, because look at it. You, they can trade him for like say CJ. CJ gives Philly that shooting arc they need, and Ben Simmons can play defense, something that Portland lacks. I mean, we'll see what Lillard wants to do. Yeah, that's a big thing too. Yeah. But back to the uh, back to the NFL. Um, you obviously have seen the whole. Uh, that the NFL announced that COVID restrictions got uh, are lessened for players and stuff. I don't know your vaccination status. I don't go around asking players, but mm-hmm. or asking people. But you know what? Yeah. Um, some players like it. Some players decided to bark back, like Cole Beasley. Um, oh man! I, I I tweeted just saying like shut up because the way I look at it is look every stadium is going to be full this year and. And even, too, with players saying – because I know Zach Wilson, I think, was one of them who said, like, my status is going to be – like, he's going to keep it to himself. But you can already tell who's fully vaxxed, and you're going to be able to tell by training camp who is or isn't because you're going to see the guys with masks on, and you're going to see the guys, you know what, just roaming free like it's 2019. Yeah, and props to Zach Wilson because, you know, he's attending these Islander games, you know, without a mask, and you have to be vaccinated for that. So he could have just, you know, killed the question, but, like, yeah, I'm vaccinated. But uh, yeah. he, he, he chose not to. But I think I think Cole just took it to another level. Maybe the guys, obviously, clearly the guy's super passionate about not taking this vaccine and whatever, man. If, if that's the risk you want to take, and you're gonna have to go through these protocols, which you know seem super annoying from what I've read. You know, you don't you really want to complain about it last year and then go through it again and be my guest. Otherwise, retire, man. You know that, that that's your choices. They they uh, the thing I heard about this is that they have to be at the facility by before 8 a.m. every morning to get the nose swab done. And then even, too, when it comes – I'm going to say this, too. When it comes to road trips and stuff, like, guys, for I'm going to give Miami as an example. Why? Because it's in Danny and I's division. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have players, hey, let's go out for dinner. Like, you know, let's go explore the town. Like, have a nice team bonding thing. And then the guy has to go, sorry, I got to stay in my hotel room. I'm not vaxxed. Like, it's just yeah. things like that. I think they're going to eventually persuade players to get it. Yeah, 100%. No, um, I, I think I think as far as um, getting the, the players vaccinated, they, they really set the tone that, you know, if you want your life to be a living hell, you know, then deal with what we dealt with last year, don't get vaxxed. But otherwise, you know, it's gonna you're not going to have fun in the NFL anymore. And that's really the way it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Because my big thing, too, with it is the fact that players will go and get Toradol freely injected into them, which is a painkiller to play. Mm-hmm. But then this comes up and it's just like, oh, no, I don't want it, you know? 
and then the fact that he brought God into it and all that stuff. Like, it, I, I don't know. I think he just, you know, he was he was really extra with what he said. But some people are like that, man. Some, you know, that's why I try not to like look into the vaccine stuff and the comments and stuff because everyone has their own opinion on it. But you know, if if that's the way you want to choose to live life, man, then you know you can't tell anyone else how they how they're supposed to live. Exactly. I like I like when I said earlier, I just did the whole tweets of like shut up and everything because I was basically. I was basically just saying, like, look, we know it's your opinion. It's just you're just trying to be more extra and vocal about it. That's why Twitter is such – it's such a great tool to connect with friends, have fun banters like I see you and Big Rack do all the time. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, too, it can be such a negative world where it's like you're trying to be like, oh, no, I don't want this or I don't want that. And I feel like that's what Cole is doing. So if Cole had just kept his mouth shut on the matter, we wouldn't be in this mess. He's the one I feel like he cost it. He put gas on the fire. I Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Because there's players in the NFL that feel the same way that Cole Beasley is. They're just not doing it the way he's doing it. You know, and I'm sure they texted him like, oh, good shit, Cole. You know, I agree with you. But they'll never come out and say that. Same thing with uh, with today with Carl Nassib coming out as gay. There's players in the NFL that are gay. They're just not going to come out because of the backlash that comes with it. Exactly. And it's a, that's just the world we live in because NFL is the whole macho sport of, oh, be a man, you know, rub some dirt in it. Just like, like, and even too mm-hmm. with like mental health going into the side of it as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just a whole nother level. Like this today is, it may not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. The whole Carl Massive news, just to go back to that. Huge. No, it is absolutely huge. It's a, it's a ginormous step. But we need to see the NFL allow this man on the 53-man roster and play like just how he used to play. You know, I don't know how long he's been in the two or three years, but he needs to be able to continue his career. You know, like it's nothing. Like it's water under the bridge. And then we're going to see more players come out because they're, you know, like nothing happened to Carl. He's treated like everyone, every other player. Exactly. Um, I know you're not too, too much of a college guy, but what did you think about the NCAA going from four teams for the playoff to 12? Love it. Love it, man. I, I mean, maybe these, you know, these, these five through 12 seeds won't have like nearly the chance as an Alabama or like a Clemson or whatever, but the exposure and just like, you know, like there's more to watch. It's not just two weeks of games and then you're done. So I, I really liked it. Maybe, maybe 12 teams is a lot. Maybe they could have did eight, but you know, as far as expanding it, I, I'm all for that. I think that's just going to bring more of a fan base into it. You, you, you know what? You're right. It's like, look, you're going to get more people watching. You're going to get more eyes on it. Which I think is I think they should have gone eight personally. I feel like twelve mm. is a weird number and also a little overkill. But I love the fact that they're expanding it. But I hate the fact that I know that deep down the NCAA just looks at this and has like the money eyes, you know? Yeah, most definitely because we we all know that you know if you're not a powerhouse you know school, you're you really don't have a shot. But you know just just to just to give your fans like because once you lose a game in the NCAA or two games, like your your season's pretty much over. So. You know, just to give more of a rooting interest, like to, to, to for a Coastal Carolina to get into the playoffs, like that's huge for that school, man, and that's huge for the fans to cheer. I just, I don't know. I think it's a smart move. I think it's yeah. cool. Even for like a school like 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 you said, like Coastal Carolina, shout out Phil, uh, stuff like that. Like even too um, going to the NCAA, they did the new rules today, which bars student athletes from. Uh, or basically, here it is: Supreme Court rules, NCAA limits on education related. Um, considerations violate federal antitrust laws basically they're going to be able to do school stuff as well because we realize that hey out of all these football players who go to colleges in the states only one percent of them make the nfl yeah which is 100 percent true and then and and as far as making what the 90-man roster is a 53 53 
53, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, no, these these, these kids definitely deserve compensation, man. Like, the NCAA is profiting off the ass. Like, why can't they? Yeah, exactly. NCAA, it's not just like all this little cute mom and pop thing that helps kids go to school. No, the NCAA is a billion-dollar enterprise. And it's, and it's all for one, man, honestly. It's man. all for one. These kids, you know, the, the, you, you go, you take a hit the wrong way, your career is over, man. You know, it's, 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 is it really worth the risk to make 1% of the, the whole NCAA to make the league? Exactly. Like, look at some an unfortunate incident, like uh, Eric Legrand, for example, from Rutgers. Yeah. I think that happened about 10, 11 years ago. Like, it's just and, little things like that. Like, he didn't go into that game thinking, hey, by the end of the day, I'm not going to be able to walk for the rest of my life, you know? And that's more of a reason why we definitely do need a minor league or an expansion league, something like that, you know? With, uh, I don't know what's going on with the XFL. Didn't The Rock buy that or something like that? He did, and they're coming back in 22. Um, the CF, and they're trying, there's the whole rumblings of the, the partnership with the CFL that started up here a few months ago. Um, but I think with that, you just have, uh, look, they're trying to get something going. Personally, though, I think the XFL, instead of waiting until the middle of February to start playing, why not play on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during the football season? That would be cool if they somehow, you know, down the road would, like, incorporate that into the nfl as a minor league system that would be really cool but um i'm sure we're years away from that but yeah i agree with you because it would it would run parallel and you could pick your players out you know like that but i understand why i don't because i'm sure they can just get up and sign an nfl contract after a game and then what are they going to do to replace that player exactly that's why i feel like you shouldn't have 32 uh you shouldn't have 32 teams in this in the xfl it should be i think it's eight you have the eight, but you know what? If you play, like, have them going, but say, for example, if they want to get signed, they can. But if you do the fall thing where it's like a minor leagues for the NFL, someone gets hurt in the middle of the week, you can call them up and have them on your roster. Yeah, which would be awesome. I think that's the direction we need to start heading in. You know, every other league, you know, we have the G League, and then we have, you know, AAA, AA, all those baseball minor leagues. So I don't, I don't see why you can't do that with football. Exactly, which baseball takes forever to get to the show. Forever, four ranks. Unless you're, go through. yeah, unless you're a star. Or Otani. Jeez, you see what he's doing this year? Oh yeah, he's doing good. But um, but it's just like you're right. It's one of those things. It's like I feel like the whole expansion thing is just the NFL faces so many boogeymen that they just don't want to open up to. But it, you know, in the long run, it's gonna help them. Like the whole concussion thing that's why i said the boogeyman because the quote from the movie concussion sticks out to me like gambling for example now now look at the nfl like they're partnered with DraftKings and FanDuel. we're going to be seeing them on the screens as we're watching the games live odds you know this is the over under currently like we're going to start seeing that kind of stuff man and that was forbidden forever man forever it it was always that it was that door that the nfl did not want to open but the door was that the betting by the door was just knocking 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 being like hey money's entertain there. us you know what the nfl that's just, it's cuz i feel like with the college football playoff and the nfl betting it's the same thing the leagues and the collegiate athletic association realized hey there's a lot of money to be made here yeah absolutely billion dollar in- multi-billion dollar industry man and that stuff's not even legal in the majority of the states so and they're still pulling in millions it's probably going to be a trillion dollar industry when everything's legalized they made i think they made like 500 million in a month in jersey last year mm-hmm. yeah like that's how jersey, much jersey was jersey was jersey was dead for a long time man, before the uh, sports gambling thing came to uh legalization jersey was a dead city atlantic city you did not want to go there now it's different 
I'll, I'm gonna take your. I'm taking your word for that. I've never been to AC. Maybe I'll get down there one day. But you know what? Now you have all these restaurants too, like with uh, FanDuel Sportsbooks, for example, Barstool. Barstool, Barstool Sports yeah. is their own. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just there's so many of these states that are starting to open up and warm up to the whole idea of legalized sports betting that it's just it's better for everyone. Like I think eventually you're gonna see betting kiosks in stadiums. Yeah, you said that on the last episode. Um, I yeah. agree with you, bro. It's just it's just a matter of time, honestly. It's just about becoming legal in more places. But um, like I said in the last episode as well, little gambling tip if I can give one. Take the Dolphins under win total for next year. Under 9.5. I don't want to do that now, but, you know, if you're a betting man, you feel like that, you or you hate the Miami Dolphins, go nuts. Do it. Um, would you? All right. Would you take that bet if it was a free bet today? Would you? What would you pick? The over or the under for the Dolphins? Nine point five. You know what? I would go with the under. It's just when I hear I stuff like, like "Oh, you know," I would just go with the under just because I feel like it's a safe bet because we don't we don't really know what a full season of Tua is gonna be. And if he decide if like he's not he comes on he's not playing well, Flores doesn't have the security blanket of Ryan Fitzpatrick behind him. Like you're not gonna throw Jacoby Brissett out there. I like I like Jacoby Brissett, former Patriot, but you're not gonna do that to the guy. No, you're not. And the thing is, listen, they always say don't read too much into OTAs. But my theory is, you know, if you do good at OTAs, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. But if you're not doing good in OTAs, it's only going to get harder from there when pads get on and, and, you know, like hitting in full contact begins to happen. And you have two over here throwing five picks in practice, man. So that's I don't know. That's uh, that's that's a little scary sign. If I'm a Dolphin fan, big rat. Yeah, and then you had – I don't know if you saw the one, but you had the Bills even doing it a few weeks ago where a fight broke up between John Feliciano and I think A.J. Espinessa where he picked off Allen and then he ran it back for a pick six, and I guess Feliciano didn't take too kindly to that. So I was just like, guys, it's minicamp. Like, I know fights are going to happen because it's a very testosterone-fueled sport, but, like, <laughs> save it for the pads. Like, I think if you fight in, like, May or June, you just look silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But, um, yeah. you know, five five interceptions, man. Whew. Jeez. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to ask you about as well right now is, or actually, I've been not. I'm going to ask you. It's something I have an opinion on. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know too too much about the Jets' backup quarterback situation right now. What is it? Still James Morgan. James Morgan, yeah. So what if you guys? I, sorry so to cut you off, but I I have one. I have a I have a take for you. You may like this, or I don't know if you like it or hate it. What if the Jets brought in Nick Foles to back up Zach Wilson? Yeah, no, I was literally going to say that. I said the only really option still out there is Nick Foles. I'm, you know me. I'm a Nick Foles guy. I oh, am I know a Nick you. Foles guy. So I want that just, you know, for everything to come full circle and Nick Foles being a Jets. I'm okay with them not having a veteran backup quarterback because if they want to teach Zach Wilson their way and not have, like, a veteran presence come out and, and, you know, try to dump things on him that, you know, maybe they don't want him doing it the way that Nick Foles knows that he's done it his whole career – I'm good with that, man. And if, you know, God forbid Zach got hurt, the season's not going to be anything anyway. So I don't I don't really care to watch Nick Foles go and play and, you know, and win relevant, irrelevant games and hurt the draft stock. That's how I look at it. Yes, ideally, you want a veteran guy to show him the ropes. But I trust the coaching staff so much that I'd rather have them just straight up develop Zach the way they want to and, like, not have an outside distraction of another quarterback. <laughs> No, 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 I, I get that. It was just something that I thought of, like, saying, like, hey, you want him in there? Because, like, we saw last year with the Minnesota Vikings when Cousins was struggling. It's like Cousins stayed in there because, hey, look, their other option was Sean Mannion. That's why I, I think they drafted Kellen Mond. So that's why I thought maybe, hey, 
you have James Morgan, who I believe is like a fifth or sixth round pick out of, I want to say Florida Atlantic. Yeah, fourth um, round. Or, yeah, fourth round out of Florida Atlantic. You can have him, but then if Wilson goes down in like, I know he's on a rival team, but I you, I do not wish injury upon anyone. Yeah. Um, you just want to have that security blanket option there. But at the same time, too, you know what? Learning from your mistakes is not the worst option in the world. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I'd rather – if he was struggling, like, that badly, I'd rather him just play through it, man. There's there, – like, Nick Foles being here, you would not – I would not want to see him play ever, ever. And, you know, if you don't want him to, you know, give the philosophies, of, like I said, of what he's learned, you know, because he's been on just as many teams as Fitzpatrick almost at this point, probably half of that. But, you know, like, he's learned things from Nagy. He's learned things from, you know, Peterson and all these things. And, and maybe they don't want Zach, you know, learning – those kinds of things and they want to teach him that you know the way they want him to be an nfl quarterback because this is his first piece of information you know in the pros so if they have complete control over him and develop him the way they only want to develop him you know i'd, I'd rather have them do that i don't think a backup quarterback's a big deal with this particular team if we were ready to compete yeah it's a, it's a different story but we're not yes yeah, so maybe i think maybe next year or 22 or 23 yeah, that's when you year, for sure that's when you find a veteran even if it's like Let's say because I I didn't realize this until today that AJ McCarron's on the Atlanta Falcons and I told you that and it sparked my mind. Hey, yeah, Matt Schaub retired and that Matt Schaub was a Falcon for like 15 years and no one really yeah. knew it. On the, just uh, like David Carr, just like David Carr was a backup forever and no one ever knew he was still in the league. Exactly, and um, man, that, that's a that's a tricky situation with like even Derek Carr. I feel like Derek last year was hey, it is what it is now. He's just like yeah, I want to be a Raider for life. But I'm like, if that Aaron I, would, Rodgers, I would call his bluff. I would call his bluff on that. <laughs> I guarantee you he would play for another team. I'll call his bluff only because I still have a feeling Gruden may try to make a power play move if Rodgers is truly available. Yeah, man. I don't know what the hell is going on in Green Bay with that situation, man. And and I, I would hate to be a Packer fan right now. Absolutely I, hate it. I know. Like, it's – but you can't – I don't I, – if I'm a Packer fan, I don't blame Aaron. You blame management. Like, the no, fact – you blame too, the GM. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you know what happened on 2020 draft night, right? With Jordan Love. Well, no, not Jordan Love, but they wanted Jefferson. Vikings got him. They wanted Brandon Ayuk, and then the Niners leaped them, so they went Jordan Love. And I'm like, you could have gone Pittman. You could have gone Claypool. Like, you could – I'm trying to remember other names from that, like, that were in that area, but, like, there were so many other options for receiver that you could have gone. Yeah, if that is the truth. You know, in hindsight, I'm yeah. sure that's what they wanted to do. But at the same time, they didn't draft a receiver early this year either. So is that really no, like, what you wanted to do? No, like, I feel like this, like this, you, do you remember the movie The Longest Yard? Yeah, of course. Do you remember at the end of the movie, the Adam Sandler version, by the way? Yeah, yep. Do you remember at the end of the movie after he won the game and he went to go get the football and he just shoved it in the warden's chest and said, stick this in your trophy case? Yeah. What if Aaron Rodgers comes back, has another baller out season, makes it to, like, the playoffs and safe? What if they make it to the Super Bowl and win? He basically just gives them the trophy and says, yeah. like, okay, up yours, I want out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, man, you you can – that guy is such an enigma, man. He's such a wild card, Aaron Rodgers, that you don't know what he's thinking one day and the next. But I really don't know what the hell is going to happen, man. I, I feel like the Broncos are still holding out for him. I really do. I don't think they're they're satisfied with their quarterback situation at all. And like I said, I've said it before on this podcast. They have a, they have a good team, man. They really do. It's just the quarterback that they don't have. They are a legitimate playoff team if they get a quarterback. I'm sorry, I don't. I do not like Drew Locke. I've made that very public before. And Teddy Bridgewater is he? No, uh, man. 
I, he was good in New Orleans. I think Carolina thought, hey, he's great, and they gave him a contract, and then they regretted it. Oh, absolutely. Everyone knows that about Teddy. I mean, and that just proves so much more about the Saints system and why the Saints should be able to pick up because Teddy looked great under the Saints system. You know, I don't even think they lost a game with Teddy. But, you know, he, you, you, go to another, you go to another place and you get exposed for what you are. Yeah, like, that, that's the thing. So, like, with Denver, like, it's, hey, we have a competition and, like, they keep trying to – I feel like they keep trying to force lock on people, but then it's just – they're going to have to realize it's not him because, like, his – Next, because this is coming year from the 2019 draft. You have a lot of players who are going to get paid. Devin White, you're going to have, you're probably going to have Kyler Murray walk into Steve Kahn's office next February or March with an Oakland Athletics ball cap on and say, "Hey, you can pay me, or I can go play baseball." <laughs> no way! Oh man, Kyler's got to have a good season before he does that, man. That would oh, be ridiculous. No, nah, you know what I mean, though. Like Kyler could, like I, he I, could, I, yeah, he could. I think for the Cardinals, it's either it's boom or bust, and if they bust, Kingsbury's out of there. And people killed the Jets for not signing uh, uh, Kingsbury, so we'll see this year. You know what? I I honestly think Cliff, like Cliff, he's when he's on, he's on, but when he's not on, like man, like the Cardinals just made too many rookie mistakes. Like I witnessed it last year in the game against the Pats. Like Isaiah Simmons got a unnecessary roughness penalty that moved them 15 yards. They the missed field goal thing, obviously against us in Miami. And then even there was an instance last year where they couldn't punch it in at the one yard line right before half the score. Like there was just little things of them not being able to close out because they were like the Raiders where they were, they were great the first three months and then December came and they shit the bed. Yeah, man. The thing with Cliff, man, is like I don't know how good of a coach he really is. And you, go, you bring it back to Texas, Texas, Texas Tech. You have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, man, and and you didn't come out that draft knowing that he's the number one conscientious, you know, future Hall of Fame quarterback. And and you got to point at that coach crowd a little bit because look what he became. Was it was it the coaching? No, I and don't. The, and the Chiefs got a steal. You know, he drafted number ten, number eleven, something like that. Who? Uh, Mahomes. Mahomes was number ten. Number ten, yeah. Like, like, look at Zach Wilson in BYU. You know, like small school. You know, nothing crazy, and he got coached to be in the second overall pick. So it's like Joe Burrow. I know Burrow was at LSU, but it's the same thing. Twenty nineteen, no one was saying Burrow. Like this year, we're all saying Spencer Rattler, who's baby Mahomes, because they kind of look alike, but. Who knows next year who can emerge? Yeah, you look at Sam Howell. You look at um. You look at uh. Who's the kid from USC that everyone loves? Uh, Keaton Slovis. I don't like him, man. I would. Oh man, not a fan. Brock, Brock Purdy from uh, Iowa State's okay. You got the kid from uh, what was it, Liberty? I believe they're talking up now. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a couple guys, man. There's a, this could be uh this could be a, a good quarterback draft again. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. There's Ritter, like a yeah. lot of the. Yeah, like Sam, I think Sam Howell's the best quarterback in the draft. But I feel like Spencer Rattler has more of the attributes that people want right now. They'll separate themselves coming up this year. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, but uh, and then you and then you got DJ Ugalele the year after, right? Yeah. People are yeah. holding out for him too. Yeah, but that's the thing I would just say though. Like, I don't want a team to like, oh, hey, we're already planning on tanking at twenty three for him. Like, obviously Miami did what Miami did, and they even though they wanted first, they still got two at five. Um, it just and this, this season's going to be a good one because there's so, so much unexpected storylines that are still going to happen. There's going to be guys who emerge out of camp and surprise the hell out of people. 
Yeah, man. And, and like I said, this is probably the funnest Jack Camp, you know, being a fan that I've went into in, since since the Rex era, man. Because the whole team is fresh, man. The whole It's all brand new. So I have no, you know, the expectations, it's it's only up from here. It's like the, it's like we planted the seeds, now we water them, and then we hopefully watch the, the flower blossom, you know? That's and how I you know, build a team. And I know our teams don't like each other, but you know what? To see people embrace that instead of, like, Mark Hemo would come on here and try to tell me, yeah, the Eagles suck. It's just like, you know what? It's kind of, it's good and refreshing. It's, it's, it's good and refreshing to see that though, where it's like, Hey, look, my friend, instead of going to the football season, like, Oh, we're going to suck. It's, Hey, we have this shining, right, light, uh, shining ray of light. Like it's like the same thing with the Pats. Like I already know this year is going to be better than last year. It's like what you want in the NFL is you want your cap space to be clear. If you're not winning, you want dra- all your draft capital, if not more. And we have both of those things. And now we have a rookie quarterback on a, uh, on a rookie contract. We have, you know, Elijah Moore is going to be, a rookie receiver. We we're not paying anyone really except for Corey Davis and Carl Lawson, which they're not getting a godly amount of money and CJ Mosley as well, but we'll see, you know, what happens with him. And then, you know, it's all, it's all rookie, you know, lottery tickets all, all over the place. So it's, that's a fun team to watch, man. Exactly. It's kind of like, the, it's like, I remember earlier this year, we were both saying like, Oh, Hey, Detroit's not going to be that bad, but like Detroit drafted really well. So I feel like they may still not win a lot of games, but they're going to be an exciting team to watch. Yeah, they no, they they should be they should be all right. It's just you know they they know they have Jared Goff and these are meaningless snaps because he's not going to be there long term. You know what I'm saying? So like, what are you really evaluating with Jared Goff taking taking snaps under center? Because I I think he's going to be a backup in in probably maybe not next year but the year after. Like he's he's going to be a career backup after uh, he's done in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Like once they get his contract off the books and everything. Like I know Brad Holmes took it on and they. You know what? Hey, it, it's affecting their cap right now. But the fact that they got the two first round picks for it, like they have four picks over the next two seasons yeah. in drafts. Yeah. You know what? Like I said earlier, talent's going to be better evaluated. So they're slowly setting up for success. And also seeing stuff like Dan Campbell, I know everyone made fun of the whole biting kneecap off thing, but like it's like what you say with Salah, you want that kind of coach in your locker room. No, I agree. No, I definitely agree with you. Like, you know, they took the left tackle, which is what we did. And then next year is where they have their extra draft capital. If they suck like they're supposed to suck, they're going to, you know, be able to get their quarterback, which is what we did this year. So I feel like we're, we're a year ahead of the lines. But, you know, you see that you see the parallels, man. That's how you build the team in the NFL. That's how you got to hit. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um But also, to just going back to the Aaron Rodgers thing quickly, like I said, I still think he plays for Green Bay this year. And I, because... I think if you trade them now, your partners are limited and you may not get as – you're still getting 22 picks. So, you know what? Wait until 2022 when, you know, a team comes knocking, a team that you might not expect. Like, look at the Rams and Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I hope he's still a Packer. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't want him to be in the AFC. I don't want him to be in a Bronco or a Raider. Oh, like, God, no. Like, that, that was – you know, our conference is as hard as, as it is already. But, um, you know – it's, it's anything's possible. You still got the Sean Watson's uh, situation to figure out, you know, and I've heard rumblings with the Eagles on him. Yeah, that's that's still a tricky one. I think it's, it's gone quiet. But at the same time, too, I think he shows up the training camp to get his um, to get his money. But I still think he ends up either with a suspension or on the commissioner list. Yeah, which yeah, it really has been quiet, man. It has been. But the the, yeah. the one the one thing that he does go, have going for him is it is a civil suit. It's not a it's not a criminal suit. So. 
we'll see how it works its way out. But, you know, he's another guy who I don't think he'll take another snap for the Texans. So, and he's going to be someone that's touted. So we'll see what happens with that, too. That's two guys right there that can totally flip your franchise around. Man, if you look at the Texans roster, it's just like the biggest misfit of Island Toys roster you've ever seen. They threw shit at the wall and hope hopes anything sticks. Honestly, I don't know what will stick. That that's probably one of the worst rosters I've ever seen. Like, why not do that with young guys, like rookie guys? Like, you're doing that with veterans that have been, you know, Jags, just another guy, and you know, like you're really trying to strike gold with uh, with Philip Lindsay and Jordan Jenkins and guys like that. Like, I don't know if that's gonna really work out too well. But if their plan is to lose, I don't get them because their first draft pick was Davis Mills in the third round. You just, you know, your your first ever draft pick as uh, Nick Casero is a quarterback. So you're just going to give up on him when you're picking first overall next year and you have a quarterback staring in your face. I don't know they what also, the hell they're doing. They also traded for Ryan Finley. I still have a feeling they're going to end up with Jared Stidham on their roster. Well, it's cut, just. Well, they cut, they cut Ryan Finley, which, I, you know, you trade for him and then cut him before he even goes to training camp. I don't understand that. You know, you have Tyrod Taylor. That, I that too, I just forgot about that. Man, his contract is worse than Cam Newton's. I can't name a damn receiver. I mean, they have Brandon Cooks, I believe. They still have him. But I was going to say, I can't name a damn receiver on their team. Um, they they drafted Brevin Jordan. I know that. I think they got um, Nico Collins, too, out of Michigan. Who, who, who has some potential? I liked him. But, um, you know, I just don't see it with them, bro. I don't know what the hell that organization is doing. That head coach is, I don't know, man. Out of any no. head coach you could have picked, you, you go for him. I still remember I was about to record back in January when Coley got announced as head coach, and we I just looked at the guy. I, it was Pat Lane from Pat's ball, but I was recording with him. We looked at each other, and we're like, what the fuck are they doing? I had to look up who David Coley was. I had no idea who he was, man. No idea. You, Guy's got spirit, man. He's, he's a cheerful guy. I'll give him that. You know, like, good for you, bro. But, you know, as far as being <laughs> the Texans, like, praying for you guys, man. He was the receivers coach for the Ravens, which the Ravens this year, we know their receiver court was not good, and they're still not good. And look, Lamar Jackson's looking to get paid, so that's a, that, the Ravens, that's a situation I could talk about another day. Oh, the Ravens, man. That's another team. That, uh, that receiver, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Sammy Watkins is the guy they bring in to help. When, when everyone knows their problems are receivers, and, and that's what they do. They bring in Sammy Watkins. Nah. I still think them letting go of Hayden Hurst was a mistake and that Lamar Jackson's good, but eventually either people are going to catch up to him like they're doing or he's going to hurt himself one day and it's it, it could be an RG3 situation all over again. Yeah, God forbid, man. And they did, yeah. they did draft Rashad Bateman. I did forget about that. He's a stud, but, yeah. you know, you got you to gotta help your guy, man. You're about to pay him. He didn't get paid yet, right? He's, he's no, he gonna, didn't. He's going to get paid. You got you to gotta help the guy out, man. But you he's can't go in. in the playoffs. They, I think they have to, they have to uh, include like a clause for injury and stuff to basically protect them, protect themselves. Because for as much as you want to pay your guy, you gotta look out for your organization if you're Eric DaCosta. That honestly, that 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 AFC North division might take a couple steps back this year. I think the Browns just weren't away with it, and I don't expect the Steelers to do much. The Ravens might take a step back, and uh, who knows how Joe Burrow comes back from injury. I, I, I think the Bengals will be like you guys, where they challenge some teams, but at the end of the day, they lose a lot of games. Yeah, and they have, hey, they're building the offense, man. Look at what they have. They got T. Higgins. They just drafted Jamar Chase. They got Burrow. But it's the O line. The O line is, isn't isn't there, man. It's still not there. 
they added Riley Reef and Jackson Carmen uh, through the free agency in the draft, but they still need another piece, and then they overpaid for Trey Hendrickson. Like, the fact that the Saints just let him walk oh kind of – Oh, my God. Kinda, yeah, that's man. a big red flag for me. How do you swap Carl Lawson for Trey Hendrickson, Hendrickson man? Can Trey, I, that was the one guy I didn't want the Jets to pay was Trey Hendrickson because he, he was a cover sack guy. He was cleaning up what the, what the other D linemen did. It's not like his, 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 his uh, pressure numbers weren't good. It's just he had the double-digit sacks, and you see it all the time. These guys get overpaid. Once they have that big contract, they never live up to it, and that's 100% what I see with Trey Hendrickson. Carl Lawson was the guy. The, the pressures are what you look at for a pass rusher. Maybe not the sacks don't always get there, but, you know, you want to look at the pressure, speeding up the quarterback and stuff like that. And Carl Lawson was, I think, top three in the league with that. So I also, I also think Cam Jordan kind of elevated his numbers, you know, where it was like he was getting a team, so Trey was able to get to the quarterback. Yeah, that's what I mean. He was just clean. He was clean. He was doing cleanup yeah. sacks from from uh, from the, his other uh, fellow D linemen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Anyway, folks, I think that's going to do it for all today. I think I should say, folks, Danny, I think that's going to do it for all today, man. It's uh, great talking to you as always. I know, like when always, when, man. when when it's like a three man pod, it's always good because like chirps go flying. But when it's just you and I, you know what? It's just like that subtle subtle football conversation that everyone likes to have. Just free-flowing, you know, team to team, just jump into the conversation. Yeah, I love it, bro. It's always a great time. Always love chatting it up with Big Rat, too, getting my shots in. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that will be down the road again. Oh, it's going to happen, folks. Don't you worry. I've, I, I've, like, just so you guys know, I've got guests lined up like crazy because I'm recording one more time this week on Wednesday with Tommy Stout, T-Stout97. We're going to be talking some Bears a little bit, NFC North and the NFC in general. But then come July and August, folks, we're coming back. Once the season starts, don't, folks, I've got some stuff planned. It's going to start getting announced and trickled out sooner than later. But you know what? i got some stuff in the works. So anyway, uh, Danny, it's been a blast getting to talk to you today here on episode 93 of YWC Football Talk. I'm just that much more closer to 100, guys. Anyway, guys, have a good night. And Danny, uh, have fun watching the Islanders play tonight. Yes, let's go Islanders. Like I said, Dolphins are nine and a half. Get your bets in now. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.